Hi everyone, welcome to Movies at Midnight podcast, where we discuss movies that we've watched, do a bit of traveling, inspired by the location of the films or their themes. I'm Tanya. And I'm Jorge. And today we're discussing part one of Fear Street 1994 yeah. from this year, 2021. Yeah, 2021, just came out this summer. Yeah, it's a nice, good slasher film. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, um, I guess, created by R.L. Stein. It's based on a book series. His by book the, series, the same name. You know, who scared lots of us as kids with the Goosebump series. And... Yeah. I feel like this is going to be a long one, so I just yeah. kind of want to dive right in. One thing I want to say about this particular film, and maybe it's going to happen in the series, we've only seen the first one, is it strikes a really good balance on telling a good story for a more casual viewer and as well as providing endless amount of details for anyone who wants to like dive in and go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, there's there's a lot of scenes where you see like newspaper clippings and there's news reporters things that go in and they're all tied together. So it's really cool to go down that rabbit hole and start connecting the dots. Yeah, definitely. I think well real quick. I mean, if you have Netflix, just watch it yeah. and you're already paying for Netflix. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty fun slasher film. I liked it a lot. I just wanted, I'm chomping at the bit because I know <laughs> it's going to be a long one. So I just want to dive in. Yeah, and then uh, one of the bigger themes of this movie, it's kind of like one of those where like the town is cursed. Um, it's also a lot of uh, shows disparities and differences between Shadyside being the town that the kids grew up on the wrong side of the tank, train tracks compared to Sunnyvale, which is the the haves, the rich people, mm-hmm. the the ones who have it all. We get a nice tight opener to this film, gonna like a nice showcase for what's to come. So we open on this edgy teen, and she's working in a mall at a bookstore. Everything is pretty cool lit. There's like a lot of neon colors. It's the end of the, her shift, everything's empty and quiet, and her friend who works at a sex shop comes up, stops by and is introduced, and then they part ways to close up shops separately. And this is where we get like a really nice showcase of what the film's gonna be. We get the tense opener with her, you know, creeping around the store and the mall being chased by this cloaked figure. Mm-hmm. The girl at the bookstore is Heather, and her friend was Ryan. She's being pursued by what the media calls later a skull mask killer, and it's a pretty brutal scene. It's actually pretty sad, probably because of the music they played. They play some pretty sad music when she gets stabbed, and as she's dying, she removes the mask from the killer, and it's her friend Ryan, but he looks really pale. I think his eyes might have been white. He looks a little possessed. And then he gets headshot, <laughs> and um, yeah, some cop had showed up and kills him, and that is our opener. <laughs> and one thing I wanted to add to the opener, it starts off with saying, it began as a prank and ended in murder, um, which the oh. edgy teen was kind of describing a book to some customer lady that came. So that just kind of like prepped me to see, okay, what? You know, it's 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 teenagers, so it's like I think like a lot of teenagers are always playing pranks on one another, um, and see what pranks we're gonna find out throughout this film. Mm. Oh, that's a good point. I didn't pick up on that. So we cut into 
a bunch of newspaper clippings. You've seen it before in other movies. Like, you get a ton of information, and there is a ton yeah, of information. Yeah. Like, the whole movie is it in, is. like, one minute. We both definitely went through after we watched the film, like, almost frame by frame. And there was so much information. I was like, holy crap, they just told you the whole movie yeah. right here. Yeah, because there's, like, newspaper clippings, uh-huh. and then there's a reporter talking. It's uh, information overload. For sure. But... It could definitely, like we said earlier, make for a great deep dive into the whole series. Uh, But we're going to touch on the information revealed in the opener later when it makes a little bit more sense, too, when you know the characters more. So then after all that, we cut to a girl. She's one of our main characters. There are like five main characters Mm -hmm. in this. Just call them the group of five. We meet our first main character, Dina, and she's writing a note, and it's like, I hate you, Sam, and or... I wish we never met. Like, mm-hmm. she keeps crossing it out. So, obviously, she's going through a breakup. Yeah. And then we meet her brother. His name is Josh. And he's on a chat forum, 90s style. Yeah, Maybe it's, it's AOL. AOL. Yeah, it's Messenger. AOL Messenger. AIM. Throwback. Yeah. They're discussing. He seems to be, like, a true crime aficionado of mm-hmm. the town, since the town has so many murders. So, he's... He's chatting with someone who we don't know who it is, and we don't find out who it is. Maybe in later film, the other two we might. But he's saying, oh, did you hear about the mall massacre last night? And I think it said seven. Vi- there were seven victims at the mall. And Josh types, one of the two types, it was the witch. The witch possessed that boy, Ryan, to kill. And apparently, like, this is a curse that some of the towns people believe. They're like, this witch comes in and she possesses people to kill. And that's why there's so much murder in this town. Oh, yeah, it's called the Killer Capital of the USA. Yeah, murder Capital murder USA Cap- or Killer Capital USA. Yeah. Oh, I did want to note one thing I forgot in the opener. <laughs> there's a really funny janitor who just, like, walks by and is like, night. And I thought it was funny when I first saw it, and I was like, okay, but he keeps coming up throughout the film yeah. with seemingly pointless and random cameos, so I'm like, oh, he might be important in the future ones, we'll see, we'll yeah, see. we'll find out. Probably everyone has seen all three already, and they're like, yeah, we know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we cut to school, and we get two separate, mon- like, not montages, we get two separate intros, one for Dina and one for josh and i just thought it was really funny because it was kind of on the nose and i'm like what are we doing here but dino or josh walks down the hallway and then you get a song and the songs in this film are outrageous in a good way but they're just like i'm like how much money did you pay to yeah. license all of these songs there's so many it's all the, all of the popular music that was happening in like the mid 90s so definitely Josh walks down the hallway and he sees a pretty girl and it's like, I'm so lonely, essentially is what the music is saying. And then Dina's walking down the hallway and she's looking at couples and hers is like a breakup song or something like that. But I just thought it was so funny because it was like back to back scenes, Mm -hmm. pretty much the same exact thing. Yeah. And they keep calling Josh like a nerd and he's kind of like getting bullied. I guess. Yeah. So then we meet two more of the main five dina goes into the girls bathroom and we meet kate and simon and there's this really big graffiti on the bathroom stall and kate and simon are messing with dina about the witch's curse so we can get a little bit more into that now if you want 
And so the town of Shadyside seems to be cursed by Sarah Fryer. Fear. Fear. Like seems to be, Fear Street. Seems to be cursed by Sarah Fear. And I guess the, the local lore is that she was accused of witchcraft and the town went after her and she cut off her own hand. Um, oh. She severed her hand and... I missed that. I thought they did it to her. I guess I confused it with Candyman. We were just watching that. Yeah, yeah and th there's actually a, a, a lot of similarities to Candyman. You have this rich people versus the poor people. Mm -hmm. And here you have Sunnyvale, which is like the rich. And then you have Shadyside, which is more of like the punk kids and uh, the ones who didn't have it all. In the 1600s, the town went after Sarah Fear and they hang her. And so... The local lore is that Seraphir cursed the town. And when I was doing research for this film, I guess in, in the books, that's not the story. So I thought it was pretty interesting that in the books, Benjamin and Matthew Fear condemn a mother and a daughter, Susanna and Martha Good, which is the sheriff's last name mm. uh, of witchcraft, and they kill them. And so the, the husband ends up putting the curse on the Fear family. And then Shadyside with the Fear family is cursed. And so that Fear family, F-I-E-R, ends up changing their name to Fear, F-E-A-R. And then now there's Fear Street yeah. um, somewhere in between those two towns or in one of the towns. Rebranding. I yeah. like it. <laughs> um, but then in, in both stories... None of them, you know, that, that doesn't remove the curse. The, the witch seems to have a grasp on the town. And even in the graffiti that's written on, um, on the bathroom stall, and we'll get more into it later, it says that she has a grasp on the town. Wait, I wrote it down. I wrote down the whole thing. The graffiti on the, on the bathroom stall only has the last two lines, mm -hmm. and it's horribly misspelled, but I think they did that to fit it in. Should I read the curse yeah. of Sarah? Fear? Okay, this is the curse of Sarah Fear. Before the witch's final breath, she found a way to cheat her death by cutting off her wicked hand. She kept her grip upon our land. She reaches from beyond the grave to make good men her wicked slaves. She'll take your blood, she'll take your head. She'll follow you until you're dead. Ooh. <laughs> I'm really good at dramatic readings. <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm the worst. Anyways. And so this uh, little poem kind of sets up the story of uh, Shadyside, where the witch has her grip on the land, and she's turning these good men and into and women into killers. And later on, we'll get into some of the more infamous killers that have came to, to Shadyside. Yeah. And towards the end of the film, you know, this tells you that the witch is going to follow you until you're dead. And then the Fabulous Five are going to use those last lines to try and uh, escape from the witch. Mm -hmm. In this bathroom scene, we get a little bit of character for uh, Kate and Simon. Simon seems kind of like a goofball. I don't really know what his plans are, so maybe not as much for him. But Kate is valley victorian cheerleader she has plans to get out of the town and that's a huge theme as well in this movie is like getting yeah. out of shady side dina feels stuck simon doesn't seem to care kate is a pretty interesting character i think maybe the most interesting for me out of the five because she's also selling drugs 
and prescription drugs. Mm-hmm. And she says, oh, it's like to help me make money so I can leave and all of that. So it's like a nice dichotomy between being Valley Victorian and cheerleader and then also doing what she needs to do to get out. I also feel like being Valley Victorian cheerleader are facades and ways to help her get out as well. Because it's like, I'll put that on my college application. Mm-hmm. It'll look good. Yeah, and you would think that that might be her primary strategy of like, you know, having good grades, getting into a, any school outside of mm-hmm. shady side, And then that would have been her strategy. So the next scene, Gina is on a school bus. They're going to a football, I almost said a football match, a football game. Mm-hmm. She's in the band, even though she wanted to quit. Or she said she quit, but she's there. They're having a vigil before the game, and they kind of make reference that, oh, no one cares. No one from Sunnyvale cares about Shady's, Shady Side. I don't know why I have such a hard time remembering those names. Because <laughs> the only people who showed up are the people who had to show up. So the football players and the cheerleaders from Sunnyvale, and that's it. One, I think it was one of the football players from uh, Sunnydale ends up saying, you know, because they're there for the deaths of, of the mall, and they're calling it a tragedy. And I thought they were there to play a game, and th- but they just had a vigil before right, it. But, um, so they're there for, the, for that vigil, but then he says, it's not a tragedy if it happens every week. Kind of implying, you know, that, that something's always happening in Shadyside, and people are always killing each other. And then, like, the, um, the intro scene... One of, one of the many things that was said, um, someone who's from Sunnydale says, oh, those shady siders aren't even trying to better themselves, which is, you know, kind of like that, that people in poverty don't want to get themselves out type stereotype. Yeah. That's a really gross thing to say, too. Like, just because something is an everyday occurrence, it's not a tragedy. That's, that's how dangerous precedents are set. But uh, veering away from that. Uh, the per- the football player that we need to know from Sunnyvale's, his name is Peter. We get a close-up of a football player making out with a cheerleader, and Dina's staring at them, looking upset, so we assume, oh, okay, he's Sam. So then she get goes off on her own, and the cheerleader from that pairing comes up, and shock! Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness! Sam is a girl! Yeah. Like, okay. I mean, I like it that we have a a lesbian couple at the forefront, or bi, I don't know, or pan. But why are we still doing this reveal? It's so annoying. Also, when people are like, oh my gosh, the super strong person under that mask was a female. I'm like, the way to normalize females in media is to not, in my opinion, is to not make a big show of it. Mm. And then they have a bit of a chat, a bit of a tense, oh no, yeah, it, they start yelling at each other. But Dina essentially says that Dina broke up with Sam, but it's because Sam's parents got divorced. Great time to break up with someone. Um, and Sam moved to Sunnyvale with her mom. So Dina felt like Sam was leaving her because, yeah, Dina is very hung up about being stuck in Shadysville. Shadyside. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, yeah, kind of showing why they broke up. Maybe Dina isn't quite as much in the right as we thought. It makes Sam sound like she didn't do anything wrong, but I'm sure there are issues on both ends. While they're fighting, we're getting cuts of um, of the football players exchanging words, and the one guy, Peter, is the one who says what you had said about, oh, it's not a tragedy if it happens all the time, and then a fight breaks out. And then, end scene, we're, on, we're back, back on the bus. bus. So I'm like, wait, there was no football game. I mean, 
I wouldn't film it either, honestly. That's too annoying. Plus, I feel like this film is so long. It has a lot of, uh, it does have a few scenes that I feel like could have been edited out, but, you know, it's fine. And so, the, the, well, the film's like, for a horror film, I guess on the longer side, it's almost two hours long. Uh, but one thing I wanted to say about the scene between Dina and Sam is, you know, she says that Sam moved to Sunnyvale, which is only like 30 minutes away. And I was like, I guess when you're in high school, 30 minutes seems like it's like worlds apart. And I think it just kind of furthers the divide between the two towns, kind of like in a Johnny Tsunami between the urchins and the skies. And, you know, you you can't have intermingling between the two. Um, but as someone who like used to be in L.A., 30 minutes is like your next town, your next neighborhood type thing. Um, so I, I was just kind of like surprised. Oh, you moved 30 minutes away. So we, we have to break up. But yeah. with Dina being so, I guess, scared of ending up in Shadyside for the rest of her life, they end up making references that Dina's going to end up like her dad. And we don't really know too much about Dina's parents. or, or We never meet them. You know, Oddly enough, we don't really meet any of the parents in the town other than like the sheriff and, and a few others. So it's like, where are the parents? That Is this sounds, children of the corn that style very, town? That sounds very Goosebump-esque. I remember adults either being like non-existent or mm-hmm. very inept. So it's like, I guess we get hints that her dad is kind of like a drunk. He's working like second shift, so he's never really um, around. But they make um, references that Dina's going to end up like that. Mm. If he's never around, sounds like a hard worker to me. I'm just kidding. I don't know. We're on the bus ride home, and Kate is inciting a riot. Almost, she's like, "Let's get them." No, not get them. Kill them. We're gonna kill all of these preppy people. And I'm like, "They're running back to their and mansions." People, people and... are happy. They're excited for this. Um, Simon is there, and he's pumping them up too. Well, this has got to be like the biggest rivalry. Oh. Uh, you know, it's Sunnyvale versus Shady Side. It's the the Sunnyvale Devils against the Shady Side Witches. I have something to say about that. So this relationship between the two towns is very suspicious to me. I have a feeling that Sunny Vale Dale. Why can I not remember these names? Sunny Dale. Sunnyvale. Sunnyvale. Sunnyvale has a hand in the tragedy of or the violence that always occurs in Shady Side. And their mascots are Sunnyvale is the devil and Shadyside are the witches. And in witch lore, the witches serve the devil and that's how they get their power. So I'm like, oh, that's an interesting little maybe um, goose egg. Easter egg? Shadyside is in service to Sunnyvale. Anyway, so back to the bus. Dina sees a car driving up real fast on the bus. It's two football players in skull masks and Sam. One of the football players is Peter. Um, And they're throwing stuff at the bus, which isn't hurting them. It isn't doing anything. The bus doesn't start to drive recklessly. Oh, and to your point of no uh, adults, we never see the bus driver. They never say anything about anything. Um, So the reason why I said, like, oh, them throwing stuff at them isn't really endangering their safety is because Dina decides, oh, let's open the emergency exit, grab one of those coolers, and dump the juice, water, ice, whatever, onto their car, which is not safe 
in itself. And I feel like the, the ice, I feel like you can really seriously hurt them. But then Dina gets a nosebleed, gets distracted, and just ends up tossing the entire cooler on them. And of course they have like this crash. But I don't know what she was expecting because I feel like the same results or very similar results would have happened if she just dumped the liquid out. I'm like, you're being so irresponsible. But then I guess they wanted to kill him. So I thought that's what she was doing. I thought she was trying to kill him. <laughs> yeah, and during, during this scene, it reminded me of like the opening line where they say it's pranks. Because here we have the oh Sunnyvale uh, football player cheerleader because we know that Sam's in that car. And they're throwing what I thought was like beer bottles oh. um, or something glass because it's like hitting the bus and breaking. So it's like these kids are like pranking the bus. The, the bus driver doesn't do anything. And then now the shady side students are going to prank the other car. Um, and then granted, it's going to end in murder. Um, but here is the her nose starts bleeding and it reminded me of like Stranger Things and Eleven. Oh and so in Stranger Things, when Eleven uses her powers or, you know, psychic ability, she starts bleeding. And so here, and maybe this is a far stretch, is to show that the witch is starting to have some influence over Dina. Mm -hmm. And she's starting to, like, possess her in some way. Mm -hmm. So when Dina's going to throw maybe just the, the Gatorade at the car and maybe that's going to, oh, okay, let me, let me get off, she ends up influencing her to throw or she like slips and ends up throwing the whole five gallon cooler at them which will then lead to the crash and so maybe that's the witch springboarding the mm. events that happen later on in the film um because it's like okay they're around my gravesite, and if the car derails they're gonna end up right on top of her um oh, remains that's true because yeah. after the car you know, they, they throw the Gatorade and the car starts swerving and then it swerves off the road and crashes into a tree. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was really funny that one of the guys asked, like, hey, are you alive? And <laughs> the other dude's like, yes, I'm alive. Yeah, there um, are no deaths in this, yeah, shockingly. Yeah. Um, none, none of the kids died. And then we see Sam kind of like crawling out of the car. I thought it was an effective scene. It was really creepy. Yeah, it's. it's I mean, She's it's definitely yeah, scary. Yeah, she. So we're already seeing the nosebleed. So now, like, there's two, and I feel like maybe Sam's nosebleed is more of her hitting her face on the car, or maybe that's the witch starting to possess Sam. Because yeah. as as we go through the film, there's going to be a much stronger connection with Sam and the witch. I do wonder if they bring the nosebleed connection back up because it feels very intentional. Because they never really discuss. Dina's nosebleed again yeah. in the movie but that's why I'm a, what you had said makes sense that's an interesting idea about the witch because I was like what does that mean that means something it didn't just happen to her and then all of a sudden it's happening to Sam too yeah and it's not like one of the students elbowed or punched Dina like her nose just starts bleeding out of nowhere yeah um so we don't know why that happened that was just kind of like some, something I had read online and put together uh, and then now we see Sam kind of crawling out of the car. She's, her nose is bleeding too. And it's one of those where she touches her nose and we see the blood on her fingers. And as soon as she puts, she's on her hands and knees. And as soon as she puts her hands down into the dirt, she now sees the witch and some images some um, of Red stuff that's happened flashes. in the past. And some of the stuff that we saw in the opening scenes where it's like, oh, the witch made her do this or so-and-so saw the witch. Mm -hmm. And so now there's a connection between the, the witch and Sam. Mm -hmm. 
So at this point, I was thinking that, oh my gosh, Sam's gonna die. I didn't know which way the movie was gonna turn. I was like, oh, Sam's gonna die. It's gonna be some, I don't know, some haunting situation, some really interesting character development for Dina, feeling guilty and things like that. But I was like, oh, don't kill Sam. I'm like interested in the relationship. I'm interested in seeing like how much Sam has changed maybe now that she's in Sunnyvale, how she adopted this mentality, I'm better than you. And like, I want to see that. But their relationship is kind of a weak point for me. Um, I write it down several times in my notes. Dina and Sam have a heart to heart. It's like in my notes four times and they have the same conversation every time. Like, oh, I feel like you left me. Oh, I'm sorry I left you. I feel like I'm going to be stuck in this town forever. Oh, you let, like, it's the same conversation. And I wish that they had developed it more because I think it could have been a really interesting relationship. But it's pretty much like the same conversation four times over throughout the film. And that's what I mean about trimming. Like, did we need all that? No. The cops show up. Is this the first time we meet Sheriff Good with yep. an E at the end? He is uh, going to be a major player, I think, from the hints and clues dropped in the opening and what you said you read online. It was funny because he's like, oh, someone said that you threw a cooler at the car to Dina. And Dina's like, no, never happened. And then we go through all the, all the kids giving their statements. And they're all like, it was an accident. Everyone says an, it was an accident. Even the people from Sunnyvale. And first off, that's really suspicious. Why are they, why is everyone like, it was an accident. But, but then I was like, who told him about the cooler then? Yeah, who knows? Maybe it was really good uh, detective work where they end up finding yeah. uh, the cooler or maybe there was a dent in the car. But this is the first time that we see Shadyside and Sunnyvale like on the same wavelength where I was thinking yeah. the Sunnyvale people were saying, oh, they threw this at us. And then the Shadyside being like, what? No, we didn't throw anything at them. And kind of saying the he said, she said, but everybody's kind of lying about it. Which I think is really interesting. I'm like, what is that about? I like that because I'm like, okay, there's something bigger at play here. What is yeah, it? Yeah, they're like setting up uh, a lot of the, the town's politics and how the local residents talk to the cops. And in kind of going back to the car crash scene, oh, this is going to be a long one. Um, Sam ends up throwing up or puking out some blood or yeah, something like that, that as well. Cause, um, Simon's like, Oh, let me check up on her. Like tells her to count his fingers. And it's like, Oh, she's fine. And then she pukes all over her shirt, leaving blood on it, which comes, yeah. you know, importance later on. Um, but it also foreshadows a later scene towards the end where oh, right. Sam pukes again. Poor actor. Hope that wasn't annoying no. to do. She was no. puking a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's never going to be as bad as that drag me to hell girl. Yeah. <laughs> we cut to Dina's house. Jenner's on the news in the background. Just want to make note of it because it keeps popping up. We get our first attack on the group of five, maybe, in this set of sequences. So Dina's at home at night. Josh is there. The, the doorbell keeps ringing. She goes to open the doorbell and no one's there. And then she sees later uh, that skull mask killer who she assumes is Peter outside and he has a knife i don't know if she sees the knife but the camera shows the knife and then she goes outside i'm like what are you doing don't do that yeah well i mean she thinks it's you know her ex's current boy toy and she's calling him out okay yeah but he has a knife i don't care if you 
are annoyed with him. You don't know what- do you know Peter? Do you know what he's capable of? You just almost killed him. Maybe he wants some retaliation. Then she calls um, Kate, and Kate and Simon are together. Kate is babysitting. She's making the children, like, sort her prescription pills. I'm like, oh, Kate, <laughs> you are an entrepreneur, yeah. I suppose. So don't use child labor. Yeah, but don't do that. Don't do that. And then the cloak killer actually shows up at their place, and they hear a window break, and they go to check it out, and it's sniffing the shirt that had Sam's blood on it that um, Simon had on earlier. Which at the time we didn't know why the killer was there, but they were like, "Oh, the the killer was here and yeah. was sifting through the laundry." So Kate chases him off just by yelling, and then. The group decides, oh, this is Peter fucking with us. We're going to go to the hospital where Sam is at and confront her. So four, all four of them, Dina, Josh, uh, Kate and Sam go to the hospital. And this is where I, I don't know why my brain wasn't computing this, but there's this weird scene with Kate saying like, oh, get me Betty, this one particular nurse. And this music plays and my brain just like, I swear, it just like, fried i was like what what is going on i mean i think it was implied that that's her drug that's how she gets the prescription pills but i was just like why is this here why is this in the movie i'm so taken out of it but also i'm like how much sway does kate have in this town this is a grown man and she's like got some deals with him to get drugs yeah then they go and confront sam and so we we see dina facing sam and it's like oh your boyfriend's stalking us and sam is like what are you talking about he's been with me the whole time so dina thinks she's covering up for peter and sam is probably just like what's you know you're crazy leave leave us alone yeah and then we cut to peter coming in Mm. um and so now there's a confrontation between them and then the skull mask killer comes and ends up just stabbing peter yeah, it's kind of a jump scare, right? Oh, like, yeah, out of nowhere, yeah, yeah. he just gets stabbed. But that's when I was like, oh, is this in, is this hospital in Shadyside then? Because nothing bad ever happens in Sunnyvale, but two Sunnyvalers are being attacked, so it must be happening in Shadyside. So I guess wherever the crash was, they took them to the closest hospital, and that was in Shadyside. Uh, there was a map at the beginning yeah. during the intro scene. I remember them highlighting the high school, but I, I don't know. So this kicks off a chase scene throughout the hospital between the skull mask killer and the five. And two nurses get killed. Mm-hmm. The drug nerd, drug supplying nurse one of, is one of them. And I thought it was a nice touch, though, is the skull mask killer gets a hold of Sam and Dina actually, like, attacks. She protects tries to protect Sam and she attacks the skull mask killer. You can see that there's still some love there. But then in the tussle, the mask comes off of the killer and it's Ryan, the boy from the beginning, who was shot in the head and he still has a bullet head bullet hole in his head. And then uh the five escape in an ambulance. <laughs> they steal an ambulance. Cause why not? And so here the fabulous five are kinda like arguing about what to do and going to the cops or or whatnot and whether or not they're they're gonna be believed and this is like the first time that we get a little bit of 
more into Josh's character where we find out he has been doing research like on the town. We were being told that Ryan was like a normal person and that one day he just snapped and he killed his friend at the mall and, and other people. And then Josh ends up making references that he was like Ted Bundy who was hiding in plain sight. And so we start getting to know Josh's character a little bit more in terms of him doing the research, not just on his town, but clearly it's said in the U.S. and some of the more infamous serial killers of the times. He's going to have a true crime podcast yeah. if he makes it out of this town. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> they go to the police. They go to Sheriff Good. There's a weird scene with the janitor who calls him evil instead of Good because his last name's Good. I just make note of it because he keeps popping up in the janitor. And, you know, that's a maybe that's a pretty heavy-handed way to foreshadow something. Maybe not. Is the sheriff the sheriff of Shadyvale? Yeah, he's, he's Sunny- the sheriff of... <laughs> Oh my god, I mixed the two. This is never... Oh, I gotta find the shorthand or something. Is the sheriff the sheriff of Sunnyvale? Yeah, he's the sheriff of both towns, because in the... Can you do that? I mean, if... Is that a thing? I, I don't really know when towns get a police department versus the sheriff is policing. Oh, right. Uh, but in the beginning, there's like newspaper clippings that says the sheriff kind of like reassures Sunnyvale that they are safe and that he's going to protect them or won't let anything happen to them. So clearly he's kind of like responsible for both towns, maybe more, who knows. But it doesn't seem like there's a shady side police department in a Sunnyvale. Yeah, so Dina and maybe just Dina, because I think she was the only one who saw him, but she tells him it was Ryan. Mm-hmm. And he does rightly so. He doesn't believe her. We get a tight shot of another cop's gun, and in a very, but very reckless move, Dina attacks a cop. And we see she did it to steal his gun, which is also insanely reckless. Sheriff Good had left to check out the hospital scene, um, and then Simon is outside pissing alone, as you do. <laughs> And he sees this girl sitting on the sidewalk, humming, singing a song, very creepily, of course, and he approaches her, and I'm just like, oh man, why, why would you do that? And don't do that. I thought she sliced his Achilles tendon, but obviously not, because he's running around just fine, but she slices his ankle, she has this huge scar on her face, and she starts attacking him. It's really vicious i was actually i thought he was gonna die in that scene mm-hmm. they're they go into the middle of the night they go into the middle of the road and they're attacking and she's trying to stab him with a razor mm-hmm. and then the other three josh dina kate show up and dina shoots her a bunch of times and she bleeds black and they swiftly exit to their safe ambulance they run away to the ambulance a lot and they're driving in the ambulance uh so when dina's talking to the sheriff and she tells him that it's ryan the sheriff makes one it's like a reference but two like doesn't believe her where he's like was he more dawn of the dead or was he more night of the living dead so it's one of those where like the sheriff doesn't believe her now does he not believe her because she's from shady side or does he not believe her because of the car scene earlier but it sets up the kind of like common belief that the cops don't believe you, so why are you going to tell them the truth anyway? 
Yeah, that's a good point. And normally you would say, oh, he doesn't believe her because she said a dead person is the murderer. But we'll find out later, it seems like he kind of knows about these things. Mm-hmm. He's He's been involved in what capacity, we don't know yet. But he has an understanding that the witch is real, these dead murderers are real that come back. So, yeah, I don't know why he wouldn't believe her. So in the ambulance, uh, Simon starts telling the group, you know, hey, I, I heard this, this girl and she was singing you always hurt the ones you love. And we kind of cut to Josh like something springs in his brain. And he asks her, oh, does she have a razor? And he's like, yeah. And does she have a, a scar? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, that's Ruby Lane. And once again, was a scene in the beginning. So we find out that that was Ruby Lane, who in 1965, she murdered her boyfriend, um, and she slit her wrist. And then we go into kind of like this montage of some of uh, Shadyside's infamous killers. We find out that in 1978, there was like a... And then this is complete uh, homage to uh, Friday the 13th, where it's like teenagers at a camp right next to a lake, Camp Nightwing, and there's a mass murder with like an axe who ends up killing a a bunch of the campers which are both residents of Shadyside and Sunnyvale this is one of the areas where I guess both um, town residents are in in one area because they they always seem divided but this camp kind of brought them together and when you look at the map I'm gonna say it it, it reminds me of like the Chicago area where it's like you you have these two towns and then there's like a U-shaped body of water. So you have uh, Shadyside on the western side and Sunnyvale on the eastern side. But I guess the camp and when you look at the map of the camp, it looks like it's towards like right in the middle of of, uh, the U. Um, So it makes sense for both towns to use it. Um, We also found out that after the the murders, the good family, so is the sheriff's family, ends up, I guess, buying the land, or maybe they always own the land, but they end up building the mall where in nineteen ninety four, which is like the the storyline's current present day, mm-hmm. where Ryan ends up killing several people at the mall. Mm-hmm. So we have murders in ninety four and then seventy eight and then sixty five. And then Josh keeps going with additional murders. And if you wanna going to the milkman i don't know anything about the milkman there are a few more there's one in 1950 a milkman who kills a bunch of housewives there's a brother who smashes in his other brother's head in 1922 Mm -hmm. uh and it seems i think josh says that it all started with pastor miller who Mm -hmm. snapped again like ryan in 1668 1666. Uh, <laughs> I have such a head for numbers. In 1666, so I assume in the third one, that is 1666, I think. The third, maybe. We will get more mm. on that. But yeah, a lot of murders. It'd be really interesting to do a deep dive as much as we could into each of them. Won't do it here. <laughs> but yeah, Josh is the one to go to if you want some information on the town. But in, in terms of lore, I definitely want to find out what starts a lot of these events. So with the pastor, it kind of makes sense that 
I think it's believed that the pastor was part of the group of people that sent in Sarah fear to her death. So it was mm. like, okay, this was her taking revenge, possessed the pastor, the pastor killed a bunch of kids, and, and even uh, it's, it says that he took out their eyes. Um, yeah. So I feel like I need to do additional research on what that means or when, when someone does that to their victims, what, what it entails. But then you have uh, murders like in the 1890s and then the 1900s. And what started that? In, mm-hmm. in this movie, it seems like we don't know what caused Ryan to be possessed by the witch. Um, may, maybe him and his friends did disturb the bones, but in the Fabulous Five storyline... It starts with Sam touching the remains of the witch and yeah. seeing visions of the witch and now they're connected and it's starting this killing spree. But I think Kate says it like, oh, but these feel different. These attacks feel different than just someone snapping and killing a bunch of people. They are targeting us. They are targeting our group. And this is when Sam, all, a bunch of, a few of them, I don't know, they make the connection that it's because of Sam, because she made that connection with the witch, and it went after the Fabulous Five, because each of them, Simon had Sam's blood on his shirt, and Dina had blood on her shoe, some of Sam's blood on her shoe. I don't remember at what point we see it, but also Sam, in some of her flashes, with the connection with the witch, the witch starts saying, Sarah starts saying, it's you, it's you. Probably also helped with knowing that she's the reason why they're the ones being targeted. And in the next scene, the group goes back to the crash site. Um, so we see the, the red car that they were driving, and Sam is like, okay, I was crawling here. And then, I don't remember, does she start bleeding again when she's there? I don't want to say that. If... I don't remember, actually. Oh, well, that's fine. So Sam is, like, crawling back. She's like, okay, I was here. And I guess through her ruffling through the dirt, she ends up finding a chain. Yeah. Like a really thick old metal chain, and they end up finding it. And I feel like they just did this for, you know, to to create the scene anymore. I doubt that in the 1600s, people were engraving the name on the lock. But, you know, they find this lock, and it says fear. I I thought that too, because I was like, if you're murdering someone, why would you take the time to then engrave their lock with that? It's like, do you care about this person you're murdering? Yeah, and so we don't know where this town is located, but you know, I'm always associating it with the, the Salem witch trials. So many women were, were put to death where I can't imagine they were making a custom lock for each one. Um, so I feel like they definitely did that for, for this to... For us, the audience. <laughs> yeah, for us to bring it up. And then we follow the chain, and it's still attached to Sarah's arm, and okay. it's like this bone, and you can see it, it was snapped, because you see kind of like the two bones and the hollow right. in the middle, but you don't see like her hand, and probably in the next two films we're going to find out more. But as the group starts discussing, like, okay, we need to put away like her remains, we disturbed her, so that's why she's here. If we bury her and put her to rest, then she's going to leave us alone. I did like that because they're like, all right, it works in other movies. Like we lay her bones to rest. But I also like that we all know it's not going to work. So they don't spend a lot of time on it. They spent like maybe five minutes. It was like really fast. This movie has a lot in it. Yeah, and Um, they reference a lot of pop culture, like with different films, obviously songs of of the era. mm -hmm. But it, it reminded me of like Scream where 
that was the first horror movie that I ever watched where they kind of reference, don't say I'll be right back. Don't split up because then, you know, things are going to happen. There's rules around, you know, (laughs) the, the horror film genre. It's not a super serious horror film and you're able to like laugh at yourself. But because they do that, I feel like it makes it a better film because I'm able to connect to it more. Oh, um, Sam does have a nosebleed. And that's I think this is where she gets the vision. and says it's you when they they find the arm. That's you know, they start making references to that poem that she cut off or they severed her hand and she can now take good men and make them her slaves. Mm hmm. So while in the woods, they get attacked by, I think, our main three players of this film. We see, out of all the killers, there are three that are constantly attacking them, and that's Ruby Lane, the Skull Mask Killer, and I don't know if they give him a name, but it's like the camp killer from the the Nightwing camp that we talked about, which I think is the next film. Yeah, I think they just call him the Camp Nightwing Killer, but okay. playing a little uh, homage to uh, Friday the 13th. He, he does have a mask, and then I think the very first or second uh, movie, Jason doesn't have that um, hockey mask. Oh, doesn't he have a sack? Right? Yeah, he has, yeah, he has just like a sack, so Aww. it's definitely like that. I think he's, I don't know if he was in overalls, but he definitely has mm-hmm. like more of that farmer <laughs> look vibe. He doesn't have a machete, he has an axe, but the one that they start focusing on is the camp nightwing killer and he's like this massive dude who's like running and then runs right by josh mm-hmm. and tries to get to sam yeah i think that's when they realize that sam is the one that they're after so they escape to the ambulance again <laughs> devise a plan and they go to their school so their plan is to use some of sam's blood make lots of trails around the school. I don't know why they had to make them so long. They made like, I don't know, they like encompass the entire school, but whatever. And they have these blood trails that all converge into the bathroom and they pour all these chemicals out. So they plan to lure these three monsters, these three minions in and blow them up. Yeah, they do just that. They they each wear a little bit of Sam's blood in this one, or not yet? No, I think that's in the grocery store. Okay. Yeah, no, they, they set fire to the chemicals, it, it blows up, and this is, like, the first time that the characters think, like, okay, we've made it, because the, essentially the, the killers are vaporized. Um, but one thing we didn't mention earlier when uh, Simon interacted with, with Ruby Lane, Dina ends up shooting her multiple times, and they, they run away, but then... Ruby Lane gets up, and I don't know if they can see it, but we, the audience, can see her Wolverine-style powers where, like, she got shot in the eye, and then her eye regenerates. Yeah. Um, and here in this bathroom scene, uh, for any of you DBZ fans out there, is we see, like, when Goku killed Cell, what single Cell survived, and then it starts regenerating, and we see, like, this pool of goo that's starting to like clump itself into like a little pile of a future killer to be. And so I'm not sure what allows them that power. The, the, the witch is able to like regenerate them. It's magic, man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we start. Oh, I thought it was kind of funny because they go into the bathroom and fire extinguish it. I'm like, just let it burn. Why? What, who cares? 
But yeah, so the sludge comes back together and we see a hand coming up and try and grab one of them. And I was so hoping that they would all sludge into one, like, gross, creepy creature, but no, they just turn back into themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So they run away, they run into another room, and Kate turns on Sam. She's like, Sam, they want you. I'm sorry, but yeah. We vote you out, and Dina's, you know, like, no, I'm not here for that. But they do, they shove Sam out of the door. Well, I think she, like, sends herself out, right? She, like, realizes, yeah, hey, they're after me, they're not after my friends, I am going to be the sacrificial lamb and just face them. Yeah, Sam is a very kind person. Yeah, she'll, she was like, okay, Kate, I'll go. Um, Dina's still very upset about it, but... I guess this was just for tension because it's almost it's almost immediately resolved. Josh sees a newspaper or he recalls it in his head that there was one survivor from the camp and that she saw the witch, which Sam has seen the witch. So he's like, we just need to talk to her. She's survived. Sam can survive this and we can all survive this. So they pull her back in. It was so funny. She was out there for like five seconds. I was like, whiplash. Well, during the chaos, and I don't know how Josh is able to do this, so, like, they deduced that there was a survivor, Mm -hmm. C. Berman, but the way that they interpret that she survived is that she actually died. Yeah. Her heart stopped. They, someone did, like, CPR or something on her, and they brought her back. So the group is like, if we kill Sam, but then bring her back, then the witch is gonna stop. Yeah. And they recall from that poem is that the witch is going to follow you until you're dead. Mm -hmm. So when that survivor died, theoretically, the witch stopped and then they brought her back. And as far as they know, she's she's still alive today. So they devised this plan. So obviously, as the killers are going to get to Sam, they open their door and bring her in. Minions are still attacking while they're all together again. And there's this really funny scene. I don't know. She, they're like going through a phone book, and she's like, "I found it." Kate's like, "I found the number of C. Berman," and then Danina calls her, and I'm. She leaves the most hilarious voicemail I've ever heard. It's like, "Ah, we're being attacked." You a like, can you imagine getting that voicemail and being like, "Well, that's a prank call." Okay, yeah, yeah and then they. Da, 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 three guesses. Just kidding. You only need one. Escape in the ambulance. <laughs> How did they, did they go out a window or something? It doesn't matter. They escaped. And just a little note, just because I feel like it's going to be important in, in the future movies, we see Sheriff Good. He's been going around the town and seeing the hospital murders, some evidence left by Ruby Lane in the street when she attacked Simon. So he goes to his house. We don't know whose house it is. I assume it's C. Berman's. But he leaves a note. And the note says, it's happening again? Is that mm-hmm. what it says? Yeah. So now we go to the grocery store. Lots of sets. The sheriff is going to see Berman's place. I'm wondering, was the sheriff the person who brought her back? Because it said one of the first responders brought back C. Berman. And was he there? Or was the sheriff one of C. Berman's friends? And they were terrorized by previous killers up until the point that you know, see Berman dies. Now we go to the grocery store. Yes, our 
big finale. I thought this was really funny, a nice touch. They started off by showing employee of the month and there's like 10 of them and it's all Simon. And I was like, oh, good for you, Simon. I didn't know you were such a good employee. That shocked me. I, that was very unexpected. A pleasant surprise. So the plan, while Simon is a great employee, maybe that means he's, you know, he's just very detail oriented in everything he does, including drugs, prescription drugs, and how to OD on them, because he has this elaborate plan. You take this, and then you take this, but you wait five minutes, and then you take these set of pills, and then you take that set of pills. I'm like, damn, dude. All right. Yeah, well, I think he said, like, one of his brothers or one of his friends had OD'd, and uh, maybe he was there, and he, like, has that, what is it, photographic memory and remembers exactly, but yeah, he, but he like, gives them a recipe of uh, how to OD. Because mm -hmm. then they say they were able to bring that friend back by using the EpiPen. Is it Epi or is it Adrenaline? I thought it was a... But I thought they called it an EpiPen. Um, I but I was know. like, I didn't know it was Adrenaline. I thought it was like uh, for allergic reactions, but who knows? Don't I'm ask. not a pharmacist. Uh, I thought he said Adrenaline. Like Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah I mean, that's, thing, that's what but... they make it uh, seem to be. So Dina's going to stay with Sam, make sure she gets the drugs, make sure she dies, and then bring her back. And while that's occurring, the remaining three put some of Sam's blood on themselves and are kind of going to case the store. Maybe case is the wrong word, but protect the store and defend her from the minions that will most likely be attacking her. So this is where everything, you know, culminates comes together lots of action dina and sam have another heart to heart that we've heard five times over by now and she starts taking the drugs so we see the minions you know make their way in and they're stalking each of the characters individually as sam's taking the pills there's a really like gross and kind of sad scene because she's obviously out of it and dina's like shoving a handful into her mouth as someone who can't even who struggles to take one pill at a time i those, those scenes just stress me out. So in the middle of that, they are attacked by the skull, by the skull face killer. They get interrupted so she doesn't end up taking all the pills. I don't think that I personally wouldn't have thought that was important because she took so many. I'm like, girl's gonna die. Well, she ends up puking. Right. But that's what I mean. I'm like, I don't, I think they made it seem like her not finishing the ritual, not the ritual, her not finishing this regiment is the reason why, not the reason why, but a problem. But I was like, no, she totally, she probably would have still died. But regardless, yeah, she ends up throwing up. And then she's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you have to kill me, you have to kill me. And I'm like, how surreal. Can you imagine just screaming at someone you love, like, you have to kill me, you have to kill me, you have to kill It's an odd scene. So we get cuts between like all the characters. So as they're walking throughout the store, the three of them start splitting up. Mm -hmm. uh, and which is like, okay, rule number one is you don't split up. And then Simon and Josh are together and they're like, okay, we're going to split up. And even Josh is like, dude, this is a bad idea. <laughs> but Simon tells Josh like that Kate is not a nice person because Josh thinks she is because, mm -hmm. you know, they had kind of like, it's implied that something happened when they were in the bathroom together. Mm -hmm. um, and Josh is 
what I thought a much younger kid compared to them. So it's like, As yeah, maybe when they're older, the age difference isn't that big of a deal. That's but a bad age. Yeah. yeah. She's and like a middle schooler maybe, and she's yeah, about, to she's graduate about to graduate high school. Um, Let's not. Yeah, I mean, they, they could have made Josh a little bit older. That, that would have been fine too. It was just kind of cringy to watch. But it was one of those where Simon, and maybe this is why he's employee of the month, because I think uh, a good leader makes other people better. Mm-hmm. And so he tells Josh, Kate likes you for you. So find whatever it is that Kate likes within you mm-hmm. and be that person. So that kind of like inspired Josh, like, okay, let's split up. I'm going to defend Dina and Sam and, and we're going to finish this. Kate is being attacked by the skull face killer now. And you hear her screaming off screen and the screams are really brutal. It's the way she goes out is really sad and really disturbing. Um, she ends up, he does stab her, I think. Yeah. There is a lot of stabbing, but he ends up pushing her head through. Is it a bread slicer? Because I can't imagine uh, that would be I thought strong. it was a meat slicer. That I would, don't know. but it's, It looks like one of those cheese grates, though, that yeah. you would cut yeah, you cheese cut, like, with. Your, your eggs, that, too. It essentially whatever, slices he puts her, her head her through. Head it's right so through. messed up. Kate, I think Kate was probably one of my favorites. She was just interesting, and I thought she had a life goal, and she made plans to do it. I know she was doing some shady things with the drugs, but I liked her. She was strong, but she goes out, and then Josh stumbles upon her mutilated body, and as does Simon, they kind of converge, and then this was a good shock. Like, they show, they're both in shock looking at her, and they show Simon, and then axe in his head, so then Simon's taken out, like, back to back. Mm two of my favorite characters taken out. So while this is all going on, Dina is finding another way to kill Sam by drowning her in a lobster tank. They did take the one lone lobster out. That would have been actually interesting. When I said that, killing her in a lobster tank, I was like, oh, what a cool visual, like all these lobsters swimming around, but no, there's no lobsters in there. And she ends up killing her, and the second she does, the killers all vanish, and made me really sad because I was like, oh, had you been but two minutes, one minute sooner, Kate and Simon would still be alive. Oh, then she tries to bring her back with seven or eight EpiPens. That doesn't work. She does CPR and finally she throws up and she's alive. They brought her back. (laughs) So in the next scene, we see the kids talking to the sheriff again. And so the sheriff wants to know what happens and Dina's telling him that they went to the pharmacy to get some meds for Sam because she was hospitalized, and then the lights went out, and they don't know what happened. They all slipped on glass. Yeah, oh, right, right. They're like, oh, I I cut myself on glass. So the sheriff is telling them, look, if you don't tell us the truth, then we're just going to say that Simon and Kate uh, were the ones that did everything. He calls them junkies. It's really sad. And this is where, like, the cycle continues. So the local people can't tell the cops the truth because they're not going to believe them. How is Dina going to say, hey, Sam was possessed by the witch. These killers came back to life. We killed Sam and brought her back to life, and then the killers disappeared. Who's going to believe that? So then Dina even, like, tells the sheriff, oh, I guess this is another tragedy in shady, shady side. So this cycle continues, and it made me wonder, what were the people telling the cops when the camp murders happened? When Ruby Lane did the murders, so it was like, 
what were these underprivileged kids doing and what happened and what did the town turn the narrative into? Yeah. I did want to say, though, I guess the sheriff is saying he's sheriff. Good is saying he's going to blame Kate and Simon for the murders at the hospital. Because I was like, what is he blaming them for? They're gruesomely murdered themselves. I'm like, do some police work. What do you mean? There is one last scene with the janitor. He's like in cuffs and Josh hands him a paper clip to help him get out. So in, in that last scene with the janitor, the janitor kind of like reaches out to Josh is like, hey, help me out. And Josh kind of like dismisses him. And then the janitor tells him like, oh, because I'm here, you automatically assume that I'm bad. And he's like, well, you're here, so you must be bad. Um, so I think, at least for me, it was one of those where we, as a society, put prejudice on people that are either in a precinct or in prison and put this black shadow over them and don't think that they can be good people. And so Josh, who has grown so much throughout this film, is like, here, I'm going to help you out. He doesn't get him out. He gives him the tools to get out. And in this movie where it's so separate between the haves and haves not, the us and the them, I thought it was a really interesting way of kind of like personifying that difference. So the remaining three of our fabulous five, sadly, leave the the police station and Sam's mom is there and Sam kind of stands up to her mom and is like, no, I'm with Dina, kisses her and says, I'll see you tonight. So then we cut to that night. They're, Dina and Sam, it looks like they're back together. They're hanging out. Another heart to heart same stuff. Josh is talking to the person online that he was talking to at the beginning saying it's been a crazy couple of days or however long it was and they're like yeah I heard those junkies killed people or something to that effect. Yeah the hospital scene and Josh is like no that's not true they're my friends I knew them and says really nice things about them. So Dina gets a call back finally from C. Berman the person who survived and she's like it's not over. The witch makes the rules. I thought it was really clever storytelling that when Dina's talking to C. Berman, she's, Dina's telling her, like, no, we stopped them. Like, it's over. And C. Berman's like, no, you haven't faced the witch yet. And it cuts to this scene of this ritual. And it's a person in a black cape um, and candles are lit. And we see multiple stones with people's names etched on the, the stones. And, and one of the names that we recognize is Harry Rooker, which was the milkman's name. I don't remember if we see Barker, which was the little boy who bashed his brother's yeah. uh, skull in. But then we see Ryan Torres mm -hmm. there, who was the boy from the mall. And then it's like an empty spot, but then it says Samantha Frazier. So that's Sam, and as that name becomes engraved, we cut to Sam. Dina talking to C. Berman, and then Sam, which we then see Sam. We don't see her stab her, which was kind of weird that we just see, like, Dina's face mm -hmm. barely surprised. Mm -hmm. But we do see Sam retract this old, I don't even, like, it didn't look like a knife, but it was uh. like almost like an icicle or a pitch. 
thing, something, retract like five or six inches from her yeah. from her stomach. But she survives it. Yeah. <laughs> so as we cut to Josh talking to his aim buddy, in the reflection we see a hand on his shoulder. And I thought it was like a really clever way. I, we find out that it's Dina, but during that time, split second where we just see the hand, and, and you really only see like this part on his shoulder. I think it kind of shows that since C. Berman was saying you haven't faced the witch, that was kind of showing the witch is still there. Mm. Because we don't we haven't seen the witch's hand yet. Yeah, and at true. the end of this film we see the just a hand on his shoulder and then Josh turns around and we see that it's Dina and Dina takes him upstairs. We next see that Dina is wrapped Sam up in the phone cord. Don't ask me the logistics of that. I don't think that would be stopping anyone but josh comes in and dina is like we're not done yet i'm gonna get sam back and then that's where the film ends i did think it was curious that sam fraser has or fraser has the same initials as sam fear so i'm like yeah. is that a clue you said that they changed their name but maybe in the movie they changed it to try and get away from it so they changed mm -hmm. it to something not fear at all so fraser i don't know We'll see. This was a great film, and I'm glad we, we watched this, and I'm looking forward to seeing the other ones, but it it was set up as a trilogy, so I feel like this movie definitely has a lot of Easter eggs that we probably still have missed that are going to be uh, more relevant to the story. So we'll find out if, if there is a connection uh, with the names. So as someone who enjoys like films that have strong rules that are concise and make it through the story, I was wondering, why does the witch select her, I don't know, you've been calling them minions, so we find out Ryan, Ruby, like, what did they do? Mm -hmm. Were they trying to get out of the town? Like, Kate wanted to leave the town and the witch doesn't want them to leave? Are they descendants of some of the families that put Sarah to death? Like, we saw that she possessed the pastor, which we believe to be one of the people that condemned her to death. So it's like, why did she pick this people? Uh, the other thing that I'm not too sure about is who her, essentially her wicked slaves decide to kill. So we find out that they're after Sam because she made a connection with the witch. But at the same time in the hospital, they killed those nurses where, you know, they weren't next to Sam, you know, anything. Yeah. They ended up killing kate and simon which i guess you can argue they had like the the blood of sam on them but dina has had blood on her shoes and simon had blood on his shirt the whole time and nothing happened so it was like when they decide to kill and who they decide to kill the other thing that we mentioned earlier was the nosebleed yeah. why, why did that happen maybe they're going to make references to it later is that kind of like this psychological link between the person and the witch well kate did mention that them attacking their group was seemed different so in all of the newspaper clippings we don't get a lot of we don't get any detail other than like the date and who and a group of people murdered so it always it does seem like the history is killing a bunch of people all at once except for the brother who killed his brother it seems like oh they just kill as many as they can and then this was different but that's very curious we don't know enough to make that type of conjecture where they all just random people in the past or maybe they were going after specific people but not in every case so 
And then the other thing is like the timeline. It seems like in definitely in the 1900s, and maybe it's just because like we we know more, news was more widespread. It seems like almost every 10 years there seems to be like some sort of killing or every other decade. But I wonder if there's like a significance to what starts some of these things. Maybe it was disturbing the bones. Maybe maybe it's something else. But I, I do want to see how they end up bringing about the the connection between the sheriff and whoever he left the note, whether it's C. Berman or not. Um, and then like the last thing is, um, why didn't Sam's death work? We hear that C. Berman did survive, but maybe it was like, yep, her heart stopped. The witch lost her grasp for a while. Maybe C. Berman moved out of the area, but it's something like she lost the connection to the wicked slaves. And now it's, you know, you're onto level two and now you need to face the witch. Maybe mm. C. Berman is still in that process of defeating the witch but we see her name show up in the stone so there's you know uh, oh her name was on the stone no no no, the uh sam okay where i feel like one difference between sam and c berman is that maybe c berman was just someone that was supposed to get killed Mm -hmm. where sam is now going to be the next killer and she's going to become the next mass murderer in in this list yeah Maybe. We will find out. (laughs) Excited to watch the next two. Any other thoughts? Alright, tell us your thoughts about the film. Leave any suggestions for future films you'd want to watch. And thanks for watching. Thanks for hanging out.